Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. We're officially recording. We are. Hello, hello. It's another episode of Is It Just Me? As you know, the News Night of Nonsense is back every Tuesday. We talk about all sorts of deliciously ridiculous, but also very important nonsense. Isn't that right, James Williams? Absolutely. I am here for all of that. Yeah, that's James Williams. I'm Joel. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm the other one. <laughs> the other one. Thank God it isn't just us, no. though. That would be... Dull. Yeah, that would be a disaster, <laughs> wouldn't it? That very cliquey. Awful, a really? disaster, just, darling. Just you and me sat here. But today we are joined by, I mean, real... Magazine luminosity. Oh, that's a good word. Yeah, I just, she's so luminous, it just came to me. It's best selling author of an amazingly empowering book called More Than Enough. She used to be the editor of Teen Vogue, which really blazed a trail under her in the US. It's Elaine Welterov. Hey! Hey! hey. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you. Looking resplendent, by the way. Oh, why, thank you. Even though I'm quite knackered. You are knackered, (laughs) and already she's learning. She is always learning. You literally just learnt that word from Joe Elvin, didn't you? I did. I'm picking up new language. That's amazing, by the way. Please take it home with you. I'm going to take it. I'm taking it. Thank you. (laughs) How long are you actually in town for? Have you managed to absorb a lot of British culture while you've been here? Honestly, no. I have have just, you been to Pret? Have you been to Boots? I haven't have done any off? of that. Isn't that shameful? I, I came from Joe and the Juice. Is that British? That'll no, do. Not it's, really. Because no, I know we have that actually outside of Condé Nast. Yeah. <laughs> down at the World Trade Center. I thought so it was no. American. Yeah. I Is thought it? it was British. Oh. Do you know what Maybe it's it, Australian. No, I, I think don't it's know. Swedish or something like oh, that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Joe. Yeah. I don't know where. Yeah, Joe I've never thought about it before. Lots of juice and all very, very <laughs> handsome staff. Yes. Only handsome yes. staff. Yes, they all look like models help. in there. <laughs> yeah, I, it's very aesthetically. What was your juice of choice there. today, Elaine? This is a coffee. This is a um, a honey oat latte, oh. which is very. Um, ridiculous That's but the, thing. the I mean, only Americans, thing I can uh, Americans are incapable of just ordering a coffee they order coffee like know, no so one else it's so cliche and such a cliche <laughs> such a trope and then I got like some some immune boosting juice of oh well you need also that very you're jet lagged cliche. and knackered yes, exactly. I, I am I yeah. am but where should I go when I leave here what's the one thing I should do well, can before I can I tell I leave? you the most 
obscure fact is that Sarah Jessica Parker's favourite shop in the whole of London, which she's on record many times of this. Okay, wait, I need to write this down. I don't know if you do, Elaine. <laughs> it's just outside High Street Kensington Tube. It's um, the, the Mr. Timpson shoe repair shop. Oh, oh, the oh, tiny handy. little place that reheals and resoles your shoes. You can buy a shoelace and an insole. You can get your keys cut. Maybe they can fix my shoes that I've already broken on the first I'm time I've you, worn them. Well, genius. They're genius. There you go. Okay. SJP endorsed. Okay. Do they have that in the window? They really should. They should do. I keep meaning to tell them. Yeah. But she's, wow. in, she's in the paper today. Banging on about it again. Go, Mr. Timson. Banging on. (laughs) Banging on, that's another great expression. Um, But uh, have you been here a lot? I've been here before, but it's been a few years. Yeah. I I came here for Fashion Week a few times and work has brought me here, but... But you never really get to spend time in... It's always work, work, work. Not enough. Not enough. One time I came here on a wild trip in my 20s, which shall not be spoken of, but... um, (laughs) Sounds like maybe it should be. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but it hasn't... It's been a long time. So I do need... I'm only here for like 24 more hours or so. So I will try to do one British thing while I'm here. Well, Well, I've already learned a a word, so... I'm super honored that you came to see us I know with very Are little time that's of amazing course. so congratulations on the book more than enough thank you so much it's um it's hugely enjoyable for me in particular as a, as a magazine insider lots of um you know just fun little gossipy bits from the hallowed halls of <laughs> Condé Nast in America which I've only been to a handful of times and it always made our offices at look like UK shit. look like the toilet <laughs> yeah I mean really. literally it was like yeah. oh my I went in there was like this is the mothership it is incredible <laughs> yeah it's pretty crazy you I love how you called yourself a former Condé Nasty yeah. <laughs> yes so we're, we're uniting here former yeah. Condé Nasties well um, you know we loved it it was it, it, it gave me so much that job but it's Absolutely. it's a particular place to work, isn't it? It is. But tell us about the book because it, it's really like a manual, isn't it? Like a call to arms for younger women to find their voice, and it's all about how you found your voice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, it's I, I say in, I say in the intro, sort of, I just lay it all out. I'm like, this is not a self help book. This is not a, a career manual. This is not the story of how Teen Vogue got woke. <laughs> you know, this it, while I while I touch on some of those things, I think it's really about the story of how one woman found her voice and was able to use it to help change an industry from the inside out from where right from where I was and so um and that sounds like a little heady and lofty but I think the point was to kind of crack open some of the more universal um parts of the quote-unquote success story that always get left out of the success story you know we never talk about um what it's like advocating for yourself in terms of you know, not just your ideas, but also your salary as a young woman and a young woman of color in this kind of climate. We don't talk about um, you know, what it's like to be the first or the only or someone who is different from everyone in your surroundings and trying to you know, advocate for a new mission in a very different change, changing world. Um, and you know, there's just so many things I, I wanted to, to crack open that I wish people were talking about when I was in my 20s trying to climb that ladder. And uh, so I, I also really wanted to talk about larger themes, identity, representation, privilege, power, um, ambition, failure, and and then also love. I think people might come to this book and think it's a career manual and then be really surprised by some of the juicier stories yeah, that yeah. are involving the love life. But I think it's important because as women, we're trying to be successful in all areas of our life and we're not recognized, we're, we aren't often given the space to um, talk about the mistakes that we've made in our love lives and how that actually impacts 
our professional lives. Like if we're not creating boundaries and using our voice and finding our power and exercising it in our relationships, it shows up at work yeah. and there's no way to be your best self at work if you're not being your best self in your relationship. So I, I, I wanted to bring some of that stuff in there too. Um, and it's a lot of, it's so universal. I talk about yeah. first love. I talk about future husband. Uh, everyone's had that great person on paper who, you know, you kind of stake your, the, f- the future of your, of your life on. And then you realize that, you know, you, you've become an entirely different person than you ever were meant to be. And you kind of have to figure out how to get back to who you were. So there's just so much, there's so much in the book and there's so much that I wanted to say, um, that I could never fit in a pithy little caption on Instagram. And unfortunately that's where we have all been relegated to kind of scroll each other's success stories and highlight reels. And we think that everyone's life is better than ours. And we're just comparing ourselves to this kind of perfect image. And I wanted to go beyond all that. But I think that just even listening to you speak now and, um, you know, you must have heard this a million times before, but you're you're obviously successful. You're so erudite. You're supermodel attractive. I mean, <laughs> Look who's talking. Oh, please. But, it, you know, but and it, I just think that a lot of people would look at you and think how, you know, how could she have ever not had confidence in herself? You oh, know, my what, goodness. What, Read the book. Yeah, yeah. well, exactly. No. But so that was really eye-opening for me as well that really? you kind of had, had – so how did you – I don't know if you can sum it up in a in a. You probably question, can't, but I guess it's, it's how, something that doesn't happen overnight, your, right? How, I guess. How did you find your confidence to think, you know what, I'm the only one who looks like this and is in this position in the room, but I'm going to stand in this room? How do you do that? I mean, I think that the the feeling of not being enough is so common and so universal, and yet it's the thing that we're told to never talk about, especially as an ambitious person, woman. Um, you know, it's like that fake it till you make it mentality. But I wanted to crack open that that negative self talk and 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 call it out. I mean, I think I, when I was writing my book, I came across a stat that said that young girls' confidence peaks at age nine. Oh my god! And it was so heartbreaking and then at the same time I actually saw myself in it I saw every woman I know every girl I know in that quote because I mean in that statistic and I remember being this like incredibly confident young girl I had a you know hair salon in my backyard that I was running with my best friend and I was so relentless in the pursuit of all the things I wanted to do and and then over time the world kind of breaks you and and puts you in boxes and attaches stereotypes to you. And it limits this, your sense of um, who you can be in the world. And I, and then the relationships also come to humble you along the way. And, and for me as a, as um, a young woman of color growing up in a predominantly white neighborhood, having a black mother and a white dad and feeling quite confused about my racial identity in some, in some parts of my life, you know, I always struggled with different aspects of not feeling enough, not black enough, not white enough, you know, not smart enough. I wasn't, I didn't come from a pedigreed background. I was the first generation to graduate from college. And, and now suddenly I'm in this really competitive world of fashion media. Um, and, and, you know, I think a lot of us deal with that, not sophisticated enough, not skinny enough, not all the things. And so I wanted this book to be a reminder to ourselves that you are more than enough, even when you're a work in progress. And um, it sounds a little cliche, but I do think, and it, in its simplicity, it's quite powerful. Yeah. Um, and and even in writing the book, I I you know in in fact checking certain things with certain people in my lives, I wanted to make sure they knew what I was writing about them. I ended up learning more about their struggle with the same kind of confidence issue. 
even if they look nothing like, I mean, I wrote a, a, a portion of my, um, one anecdote from my time at Glamour deals with another girl. Her name is um, Holly Siegel, another woman. And she was white, blonde hair. I felt like she fit the mold at, at Glamour. And here I was sort of feeling like an imposter and trying to blend in. And I was dealing with what I call assimilation syndrome. And um, so I, I called her to tell her about the, what I was writing from that period of my life and she gave me complete, a completely different perspective on actually the all the ways she felt she didn't fit in there and how toxic it was for her and in fact she said to me you don't recognize that you had pretty privilege you were someone who was picked over I was picked over um, for TV segments for media training you got that those opportunities because you are thin and you are tall and you are pretty and I thought you felt that way about me? I th- and felt then you're you sitting know, in your box thinking yeah. she had, yeah, you yeah. know, and so it was really interesting to kind of break down those silos that we build around ourselves and just see how much more we have in common than we really realize. Um, and ultimately, I just hope that the book is empowering for people who, you know, all different kinds of people, but particularly young or you know, middle-aged or women in any stage of their life, but ambitious women who want to... Um, challenge the status quo well that's the thing it's just again listening to you talk i think i'm nearly 50 just whisper it, everyone <laughs> and um, i still feel like i haven't got it all figured out and yeah. i'm still figuring it out and i'm still a work in progress and still learning do you feel did you feel like at, at the point that you'd written this book like i've got it all figured no. out I mean, what, what's no next for no you? way i mean i'm 32 there's so much more i will learn there's so much She's more a baby. I, have to do. I, know. I, I know i recognize how young i am and it, that was also something i dealt with a lot was I'm too young yeah. to oh, yeah, be respected yeah, yeah. or to be seen as an authority yeah, I, figure. And I remember those days. Oh. <laughs> I, remember those days. I know, but it's actually, yeah. it's, it's petering out. I was actually just speaking with, with uh, my colleague earlier about this. I'm like, I'm actually, I'm not only the not, I'm no longer the youngest person in the room. I'm also, I'm feeling old now. Like I'm like, this is the first, no, no, this is the Shaking first my year head. between yeah. 31 and 32. I'm not old, but between 31 and 32, you start to say, oh my God. I'm there's a grown like, up. There's like a whole generation below me that is walking and talking and having sex and getting Isn't married and yeah. and I don't understand some of the the stuff like I actually start to feel my age and my body and traveling <laughs> like I'm feeling it. but all that to say that's all an aside that the, the the truth is I know I recognize I when I'm 40 and 50 I'm gonna look back and be like you were a baby you didn't know anything yet but and I and I recognize that but I but I also know that I'm in a really rare position for someone who looks like me to have the kind of visibility that I have and I and an audience of young girls of color who are looking up to me as one role model for how to see themselves in the world. And I just thought, I don't want to be um, a part of this social media generation that sells lies about success. If I'm going to be held up as an example or as a trailblazer, I better be doing everything in my power to leave that trail with some signposts along the way that make it easier, less isolating, less yeah. daunting for the next generation. But you know coming what's up. interesting is like I was obviously looking at your Instagram and you've done the post about the Amazon UK number one mover and shaker book. Congratulations. That's fantastic. But even it was such a woman thing that you're almost you're still slightly apologizing for that's that you know for, for standing up and being proud of that in your Instagram post do you know what I mean and I think that that's that to me is a particularly a woman thing like we have mm. to apologize for well I, I don't know if I was intending for it to come across as an apology but more that I'm not 
I don't want a young person or any person to look at my Instagram and just feel like shit. <laughs> Honestly, those are good rules, to, uh, good words to live by. Elaine. Yeah, I don't want. Yeah. I, I, that's what I, I don't want to be a part of this social media generation that is literally just posting highlight reels yeah. and making everyone feel like shit and showing the best parts of our life story and never talking about the the, the underbelly and the, the struggle. And so it was. It, I just feel like I had a responsibility. I want to be responsible with the platform that I have with the young girls that I'm talking to. And I, I thought it was an opportunity to not just say, hey. I'm winning. Yeah. Here's my brag. Yeah. And it ain't humble. But like to say also, <laughs> guys, like literally last year this time, I was in my sweats, in a ball of self-doubt, wondering if this book mattered, if I should have even written it, like staying up all night, toiling away. And then, of course, I had high moments, too, where I was just in my flow and it was... It's not easy. Yeah. And and so to be I wanted to give context to the win. That's all. Yeah. I just wanted yeah. to give context. And 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 I one of the things that I said in that post is like the only reason the 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 reason for me to post this win is for for other people to be reminded that their win is coming and it's and what their the work that they're doing is worth it. Yeah. And it's so cliché and cheesy and corny, but I'd rather be cheesy corny cliché and also give someone a breath of relief that they are on the right path they're yeah. doing it and I and think, just not feel like i don't want to make people feel like shit that's yeah. it i think yeah. as well you touched on something earlier which is quite interesting i think often we just hear the top line right you're given like after the event after a year of hard slog yeah there's the success story right and you know i guess a really good example of that would be for example teen vogue you know sure. at the when the t editorial shift and i remember joe and i were working together on, on a magazine the other side of the, of the atlantic pond and <laughs> it became a buzzword was everyone wanted to do a teen vogue suddenly there was mm. this fresh voice that was yeah. just saying and doing stuff and the whole world in publishing wanted to emulate that wow. but i bet at the time when that decision was made i bet you there were some naysayers going oh you know you know it probably wasn't you know seen as this like you know absolute goal you know a brilliant idea there was probably a lot of naysayers at the time well but you know i just didn't pay attention to them yeah I, if they were there i couldn't hear them i couldn't see them and i wasn't giving them airtime because the mission was too important but i definitely didn't know that it was going to work yeah i did it because it I was a part of a team. Was that, that just your gut instinct? Was it just your tr yeah. your convictions, the truth, and basically seeing it through? Well, I think that you know when I inherited Teen Vogue, before I even inherited inherited Teen Vogue as the leader, I was I was a, the beauty director there for many years, and so I got to know this reader. And you could anyone can sense that the world was changing rapidly mm. and um you know the teen magazine space was particularly challenged in the age of social media um and the internet i mean we really had to reckon with who we were now and why we were still relevant why would someone go to teen vogue today so i kind of just took time to deep dive um on the internet and, and research who this reader was and they were already having conversations about intersectional feminism yeah. and representation and you know environmentalism and they considered themselves activists and this was already bubbling up under the surface they just didn't have a mainstream media outlet that was reflecting mm. those voices and so i saw the white space i saw that this was our responsibility like this was and this was a unique opportunity for us to own a unique lane that you know because at that point Kendall Jenner was on the cover of Vogue. I felt like every other month and every every women's magazine, women's fashion magazine was encroaching a, on our young Hollywood territory. So we needed to reinvent ourselves. It was a time of great transformation. And and this was so clear to me the way to go. Um, and, and also for the other people on my team, I, we had really 
galvanized this young uh, new this new young staff that ha- that shared this vision and we were off to the races we really didn't ask for permission no. so that's why we didn't really no. hear any naysayers but it must be so exciting it. to work there then I would have thought it because, was exciting and how quickly did you know it was working because like I said did you, were you aware of the fact that really because really? Like, like I said yeah. from us it just felt like wow it felt like overnight and that's the thing I think in headlines yeah. it reads like wow she was born at, came out of the <laughs> womb as the editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue and now Teen Vogue is woke and yeah. you know so, you know, it's it, it didn't happen like that. No. It didn't happen overnight. I was there for six years. Um, but story by story, hire by hire, changing the culture from the inside out is how it happened. Yeah. And I, that's the important one of the really important um, takeaways is, you know, you can't just like slap a girl in a hijab on the cover of a magazine, call yourself woke and think that you're done with it. it we this was a process that started from the changes started from the inside out. Yeah. And um, and I always say you can't change the story until you change the storytellers. And that's what we put our focus on. And then organically, the story started changing because the complexion of the newsroom changed. Yeah. And therefore, the experiences that were reflected inside that magazine shifted what you saw on the outside. Yeah. And that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in terms of how long it took, I mean, for at least I would say a year it was like we were doing great work and no one was paying attention except our core core audience which was slowly starting to grow um it wasn't until the big story that that went out on december 10th 2016 i remember that because it's my birthday it's the day i turned 30 and um it was called trump is gaslighting america and it was written by lauren duca who was a weekend freelance editor um and no one expected that to be the story that would go viral and put Teen Vogue on this map in a new political way, but it certainly did. And and um, after that, it was sort of this, it just this upwards trajectory that none of us could have anticipated. And um, Dan Rather was retweeting us and Trevor Noah had us on his show and it just became this, there was a lot of momentum and it became kind of a movement. But really what our jobs our jobs at the time were just to reflect this generation that is that is politically engaged that is the most diverse generation of young people since the 60s and and so it's really it, it it's it was exciting to to be a part of the heartbeat um and and kind of changing the perception of young people yeah. in America and I apparently beyond uh, across the pond. Absolutely. No. It must be nice to be in England where politically everything's going awesome. <laughs> must be a nice break for you. We're all in this yeah. together. We really are. We're all going to hell in the same handbasket. Yeah. We? we all already feel like shit. Yeah. I should have yeah. led with that. Yeah. Um, yeah it's, I was going to say, but obviously the book is available everywhere right now. So anyone who hasn't made it the bestseller that is already, get on board people. More than enough. More than enough. Thank you. Uh, yeah, available at Amazon and any good bookshop, hopefully. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Okay, Elaine. So you're now ready to get down to some Let's serious business. Let's get down to it. So, some very heated debates about to go down. Yes. This Let's is what I it. came for. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's get into it. She means business. We've got some very British arguments now. <laughs> okay, let's do it. How do British people argue when you guys are the most uh, polite Oh, we, we tend to swear humans. quite a lot, though. Okay. I like it. <laughs> First up this week. Okay, this is a bit of a weird one, and I'm not a pervert, I swear. But is it just me, <laughs> Joe, Elaine, that weirdly secretly enjoys the dentist? Now, if I'm being really honest, it's not the physical... Because obviously I'm not a weirdo. The idea of being sat in that chair and well, the, the sound of a drill. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not nice. The actual sensation is not nice. What I'm talking about here is pretty much just being quite smug. <laughs> because I'll be honest, I did this thing about three, four years ago 
Well, you, you know, you deliberately write a to-do list with the most achievable things possible just to make yourself feel good about how easy oh you can God, get. I that's the only person who does that. <laughs> right. Yes. So I literally wrote, I'm going to go every six months to the dentist. I'm, it's when you get your reminder, you literally book the appointment straight away. And I've stuck to it. So now when I'm, when I'm sat in the dentist chair, I mean, it, it did help that I moved to a new house where the dentist is literally on more or less on the street I live on. So every day I'd be walking to the tube going, oh God, I've got to go to the dentist, you know? So it's yeah. literally there. But I have to say, it's more that real sense of I'm slightly winning at life. I've actually stuck yes. to it and I'm doing it. Now, it's am I weird? grown up. Yeah. Am I weird about this? Where, how do we feel about the dentist? Do you think it's weird alone? Yeah. Honestly, I, I've never, I feel like maybe you're my soulmate because... <laughs> People hate the dentist and I've always loved the dentist. And I, I don't know if it's a weird type A personality thing, but it's like getting a report card. It's yes. like, it's like, how am I doing at this thing? This one thing. And I, I just went to the doctor recently or the dentist recently. I actually stopped going to the dentist once I left Teen Vogue, even though I have health insurance. I just, I don't know. It's like, I don't know why. I just don't think about going. But recently I went and I got, um, I, I had a cafe, I had a, um, Oh my God, cavity. What the hell? How did I forget that? <laughs> yeah. Jet lag, thank you. Um, anyway, I had a cavity and I got a bad report about brushing my teeth too hard. Oh, I got that recently oh, too. My husband does that. It's like he's trying to murder them. Yeah. Yes. It's like, it the, really stresses me out. Receding it's gums. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Overbrushing. Yes. You I have know. that. Yeah, I know. And I think it's a little psychotic that that's an issue for, yeah. for any of us. Like, I, I really want to get in there and I want to get it good. And I, then it tears apart your Because I totally agree gums. with you, Elaine. For me, now, when I go, and my dentist, I, I don't think she listens to the show, so I'm going to say this. She's a tough crowd. You know, some, de- I, I've had dentists in the past when I was a kid, they'd be there with the praise. They'd and be the giving, Exactly. The lollipop. Good. You're doing so well. She doesn't give any feedback. She's very much like, and if anything, she just says, "Right, you're overbrushing." And I'm going, "Really? It's like I'm overbrushing, overbrushing. now. I'm, yeah, I'm being too good because there's that there's that sort of teacher's pet mentality you, where you, you want to be the best at everything, even at the dentist. You are you be a the good best. flosser? It's kind of psychotic. I am now flossing. Yeah, I floss every day. Because I, I did this really weird thing where Floss I read... It's very important. Oh, I, I read that I article where they did this test about they got 20 people to floss every day and not brush and the other people just to brush and not floss. And what did, and they, the, what did they the find? The flossers were better, had less plaque than the brushes. Yeah, but the, it, the gunk gets into your gums and then it gets into your bloodstream blood and, and it's heart disease territory. Oh, oh God. Sarah Silverman wrote, wrote in Glamour, death comes in through the gums. Oh, oh my. my God. <laughs> and that really stuck I'm with me. I'm on the fast so track on. to death. Does that mean flossing is good or bad? It's good. good. Oh, right, fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I thought for a second you were saying you're doing the wrong thing. No, um, no, no, no. How, how are you? Because I have to say, I mean, I don't enjoy it. And there is, the, the sound of that drill does put my teeth on edge. Yeah. But Oof. it's in a weird way. It's like getting on a roller coaster. It's that really same weird, scary feeling. But you kind of feel, I actually get sweaty when I'm in the dentist. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going to say you have a hot dentist and that's why you go. Oh, Honestly, no, no. I, she's very nice. I read you wrong. Yeah, no. He, yeah, Rabbi, she's very nice, but she's not, she's not, well, she doesn't sort of, you know, float my boat. <laughs> she's listening. You better be careful what she's you say. She's a very attractive lady, but you know, she's a lady all the same. She's wrong team. Wrong yeah, team. wrong team. Yeah. Uh, where, how do you stand uh, on the whole? Well, I like the smug feeling of, of doing it and getting through it, but I'm also somebody, I'm not frightened of pain like a lot of people are. I really don't mind a big needle. I really don't mind any of that stuff so weirdly I, I think wow. it, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm with you I feel like it's got to be doing you if it's not hurting you a bit it's not really doing anything <laughs> is I'm that so wrong like I'm also a massive hypochondriac <laughs> so anytime I'm in a in a room where you can smell disinfectant and, and medicine You're and happy. drugs I'm really happy wow. so I feel like I'm taking care of the things. sterility of it all yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah I'm pretty good now obviously we do have to talk about the whole situation because obviously the biggest misconception I think well she's not that much of a misconception 
in America is that obviously we have medieval teeth yes, in this country. That is that is the uh, reputation you guys have. It really have. is. Like, both of you have great teeth. But can Thank I just you. say I'm Australian? Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. On this note. <laughs> but um, I, no, but I have to say I am a bit like, I mean, there, I, I can get over most things. I don't think I could be with somebody with bad teeth. But I think it's a real 70s thing in Britain, wasn't it? Where there was like, there wasn't much electricity. And, <laughs> There's a lot and, of plaque. And, and, and like everybody oh. sort of like just drank beer and smoked cigarettes because yeah. it was the 70s. And nobody really went to the dentist because but NHS I, dentists were hard to come but by. I still have some friends who are genuinely so scared. They, they have, I mean, I'm actually quite scared for one of my friends. He hasn't been to the dentist in 10 years. I'm actually concerned. He's like, if he ever goes again, he's going to walk out with dentures. But uh. that's why it's better to go, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because the long term. Maintenance. Can I ask a question? This is a dumb American question. But was it ever a, a status symbol to have messed up teeth in... No, well, London? Like, no. was it cool to not care no. about your dental oh, probably. situation? I don't know. Probably rock and roll. Some, some rock and roll. from the Pogues. And look, it didn't yeah. work out so well for him, did he? He hasn't barely got a tooth to his head. But I mean, no, I think... It was probably a bit punk and rock and roll. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. but no, I'm still... No, it's... Yeah. I, you have great teeth. Thank really you. Really great well, teeth. White, straight. Did you do Invisalign? No. I, I, it's unbelievable. I, I, I was supposed to have a brace and I never had one. So, I, I mean, I, yeah, I did get quite lucky I, in, I in that I used to get sense. called Luna Park teeth when I was a kid. Because I had te- <laughs> big white teeth, like the entrance to Luna Park, the big amusement. You have to walk through a big mouth in Sydney. Oh, like, and I used to get called Luna Park too. <laughs> yeah. Kids are cruel. These days I take it as a compliment. Not so much then. But yeah. I guess the thing is that some people genuinely do have, I think it is a real phobia for some people, isn't it? There's literally an actual sweaty palm fear of going to the dentist. My, and I think if you're one of those people... My father had false teeth from a very young age. And as for a comedy gag, he would drop them in my lap when I was like three or four years old. Scare the living shit out of me. And if that doesn't send you running, screaming to the dentist, I don't know what will. Oh, my God. I have a story about (laughs) my dad and his dentures. Why do people with dentures just leave them? Just kicking it in, it's, a, in, it's not in good. bowls and and a glass near the bed, yeah. mugs in yeah. the bathroom, like disgusting. But I remember waking up as a kid one day, and that would always freak me out when I saw them. But one day, my dog got the dentures, <laughs> and I came in the middle of the night, and I looked at my dog, and she <laughs> smiled at me with these disgusting dentures, and I screamed, and I thought I was dreaming. It was terrible, and I've been scarred for life ever since. Oh, my God. I wish mobiles were around then. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. That would have been good. That would have been on Instagram for My sure. grandmother was so vain. I mean, obviously, we're talking about quite some time ago now, but when she was 19, so this is like she died when she was 91, but anyway, when she was 19, a man called her Goofy, and she went to her dentist, and he ripped out all of her teeth and replaced them with dentures. No. Purely for vanity. No. Can you imagine extracting a Ooh. mouthful of healthy teeth and oh having them God. replaced with dentures? <laughs> Goddamn patriarchy. Right? So, That's the kind of thing a man would say yeah. that to a woman right? in the olden yeah. days right? and ruin their life. Own your teeth, people. Yeah. They're yours. But do look after them and do floss. Yes. Uh, if you are sat there listening <laughs> to this somewhere in the world going, you are a total freak. I can't believe you enjoy the dentist, James. Do feel free to email us at the uh, usual address. It's is it just me podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys. So do send us your thoughts about the show and any suggestions for future topics. We'd love to hear them. Okay. So is it just me? It doesn't wash my hair very often. Well, I had a conversation with my friends about... Tell, tell me where you're coming from with this one, Elaine. What's okay. your stance on this Okay, whole? well, this is a thing where... Listen, people with curly hair out there listening, curly girls, you feel me on this. Your hair is better on the third, fourth, and fifth day. 
So you kind of washing your hair. If I have a big day and I need my hair to be on point and big and full and luscious and like just exciting, then I need to back into it by washing it like three days before that day. Because leading up to it, you look like a little bit of a poodle. Like it's too perfect. It's too ringlety. It's like flat. It doesn't have the volume. So you kind of need the like grit and you need the zhuzhing and you need it. You need to, you need to give it space to expand. So it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And, and I actually have found that the longer you go without washing, the better your hair gets. Especially recently when I went to Maui for vacation and I got that good like salt water, sunshine, my, my, it made my, my highlights pop. And I was just like, I'm never washing my hair again. And I went for <laughs> longer than I'm going to admit here on the record. But I will tell you, I had, I've never had so many compliments on my hair. And the secret was I just wasn't washing it. Your hair got a holiday. It got a holiday. It got a real holiday. Don't judge me, people. I'm no, I'm you. not judging because weirdly, I've made this discovery. Because I, I don't know how. I was kind of always brought up to wash my hair. I was washing my hair every day. Like every day. W- I washing. wash mine every day. You have thin, fine hair. Yeah, so you true. need to. Otherwise, it would get limp. You yeah. should see my hair. In, I look like a troll doll every morning. <laughs> I have to. I have Hang to on. wet it just to rearrange yeah, but it. But do you wash it with shampoo and conditioner yeah. every day? Yeah, because. Oh, wow. And I've probably, if I, if I had the courage... <laughs> James and Elaine. To break free of those shackles. To break that cycle. <laughs> but I think I, it gets super greasy. I get a really greasy scalp. So I have to keep washing it to put that. And I think I've created the situation where my hair is freaking out and going, oh, we're going to get some moisture in this. So I wake up. You could fry chips on it every morning. <laughs> so I have to clean it for well, the good of everyone around so I, me. I was that <laughs> yeah. person. And then weird, I don't know how it happened, but somebody once said to me, you should try it now. Don't wash it, just condition it every day. Oh, is that called co-washing? Yeah, yes. I think so. Yeah. We're, we're kind of, yeah. I I'm think very impressed that you know about that I, oh, term. Hey, yeah. I worked at Glamour for 15 years, so you yeah. know I've kind of absorbed a lot of great things. That, uh, that's, that's it. I've got all the things that, the, the, from the yeah. amazing female beauty industry I'm now using and telling all my male friends about it. And they'd be like, how do you know this? So, um, But yeah, and so I started just, condi- and then that did make a difference. So I think it's a bit of what you're talking about. Yeah. Some Sometimes it's good to have a little bit of gunky residue grit. all of London pollution locked into your hair with a bit of conditioner on top. But this is if I'm being really <laughs> It makes honest. it look better for me it anyway. Does. But this is one of those things where we don't understand black hair. No. And, that's and, and, and that's the other issue as yeah. well. Is like how long does it take you when you wash your hair? Oh, forever. It should be an yeah. Olympic sport. <laughs> no, seriously. It yeah. takes, yeah. Like I, I just got, I just washed my hair. You'll be happy to know. Okay. It's freshly washed. This is Especially like, for us. For you. Well, um, I, I mean, I'm, pretty insulted that you weren't sort of like having that four day sweet yeah. spot well, thing in mind for, for, you should be thinking about four days ago Elena. I know well actually I did I washed it Friday for you oh, today okay. Oh, okay. So now, now I feel yes. better Fine, okay. yeah. but it does yeah. get bigger and better than this this yeah. is still quite limp but it's all strategic it's like I didn't want to check a bag so I knew I couldn't bring my my co-washing conditioner I couldn't bring like I need a lot of it so I there's no such thing as taking travel and travel size products unless they're I'm gonna have like 10 of them yeah so I'm just like let me knock this out before I go and I'm using actually Tracy Ellis Ross's new hair product um that just launched it's called Pattern Beauty it's so good I've tried every curly hair product on the market she's this an is absolute the best. heroine on every she front she really oh is oh my yeah. god yeah. I'm actually Pleased to know you guys know who she is, oh, yeah. and I that you I'm guys know Blackish. Black-ish. Yeah, I didn't know I'm you guys obsessed. had that hair. Yeah. So this connects us, you see. Mm. But um, anyway, the point is, I wash my hair for you guys, but it does take. I mean, it's true what I call black love to do that for you guys because it takes like forty-five minutes just to wash it, just to get through the comb, the combing phase, then the shampooing phase, then you have to do the the conditioner, then you do a deep conditioner, then you like let it sit, and it just takes forever. Yeah. On the plus side. 
it's bitching. It, yeah, Thank it looks you. amazing. Yeah. It's a good investment yeah. of time because yeah. then you can leave it for like two weeks. Yeah. I think really as well, to. I mean, aside from anything else, I mean, I, 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 boys don't realize how lucky they have it because even you know i recently had one of my female friends move in with me and she she just ha- she has curly hair and honestly for her she would come home from work she'd be like oh i said should we watch love island i'm going yeah 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 she goes oh, i've got to wash my hair and i'm like and i would just laugh i'm going well right. that doesn't take long like washing you know as for me like washing my hair takes five minutes and she's right. like no and then literally sitting and watching her with a diffuser and all the product and i was like well that's, that's my my daughter's got sort of like pony length hair mm-hmm. sort of like right down to here and she won't cut it but and then her washing her hair is a big old day out for me. It's like, it's, you know, I, untangling it, making sure she's washed it properly. It's hell. But yeah. I, so I'm all about, across the board, the answer to this question then is we should all be a bit more feral and basically just live with ourselves. And I, think, I do think we've become a bit of, we are that generation, I think, where cleanliness has become a bit too much of an obsession. I'll tell you what, I would for a sponsored thing, like if I was going to make a lot of money for someone, like some people <laughs> swim the English Channel. <laughs> I will go a week without washing my hair and that is my Everest. Okay, here's a tenner. I promise you. I'm going to start it yeah. now. The, yeah. I'm starting the, 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 right. ball, the ball rolling. Yeah. But, um, but, but yeah. to your point about people not understanding black hair, I really got to see that when I worked at Glamour um, in in America. I mean, I went from Ebony, which is an all-black magazine, to working at Glamour, where no one covered black beauty. And suddenly, I realized that there was this this, um, double standard where, you know, as a black editor, as a black beauty editor, you are expected to be an expert in essentially white beauty mm. in, in topics that you will never encounter in your, you must feel me on this as a man yeah. at glamor, but seriously, no. like, but it's interesting what you say, you may have uh, missed this story, but there was a big uh, t- a conversation about this just last week because a school in London has tried to now ban cornrows. I saw that. And there's, and because the they, they think it's just a, a sort of, it's a trend thing. Cause you know, the likes of maybe, if, if, if Caucasian models do it and they think, oh, it, but it's, so they think it's rather than actually being a necessity, which it is for black hair. Oh, don't get me started. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. I mean, the things that schools should be I know. Worrying, and that, and that's so what it is. And it's, it's a sign of total ignorance because they've tried to blame it. But it is, it, you know, and you write about it in the book and I've come across it in my own, um, you know, I've had to put my hands up and I've had times in my editing career where it's not that you're thinking, no, we're not gonna. We're not gonna cover black girls' hair. We're no. not gonna do. It, it just doesn't it's unconscious it, bias. It doesn't occur to you because you're not you. You don't have the right people, the, the right diversity in yeah. place. Thankfully, I think, and it's people like you who have helped. I think that conversation's changing. But it's yeah. been. But it's you like know, you said, I must about, admit, there have been times yeah. I thought, "Oh my god, I feel awful. I haven't even no. thought about this." And like you said, it's about having the people in the room. And I loved your point about the storytellers. Yeah. That the stories will have to have to be there on, and it's an inside-out thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's really important for everyone to know what it feels like to be the only one of them in the room, at least once in their life. I think it's a really healthy exercise and an, an important education. I've had it. You've had it, yeah. you know, I'm sure you've had it in different points of your life too, but I- <laughs> only when I was working at the pub when I first got to London and they used to, and everyone used to tell jokes about convicts and it did, I didn't get it for ages. And I'd be like, oh, we don't even think about that in Australia. Uh, <laughs> That's good, good old British sense of humor. It's <laughs> like, like, what oh, what you wallet, everyone? Oh. Like, <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Oh. No, but that's, that's a really good point, I think to say yeah yeah well all that to say i know how to use dry shampoo um even though i've never had you know had to deal with oily roots i'm like what is that um <laughs> i don't that's not a thing i get but dry shampoo is actually great for curly hair too it's a great volumizer i think dry shampoo is a grit. universal product a for everyone they, they need to market it like yeah. that they they really because even for men it's it's really good for like with a quiff i'll tell you for, what though 
quaff. A quiff, yeah. When you get in the shower and wet your hair when it's covered in dry shampoo, that's an extremely unpleasant thing if you get any of that water in your mouth. <laughs> is it, is it, Just take that tip from me. Is it better or worse oh. than the dentist? Oh, God, way worse. Way worse oh. than the dentist. It, it, you need to go like, to the dentist after that. <laughs> it, it, you really do. It, it's yeah. like you've poured yourself a nice pint of fairy liquid. It's oh. disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> You must remember that for yes. the, the morning after. Oh, yeah, I dunked my hair in. This is what the people come to the show for, yeah. Elaine. It's this little tips it. like that. You're yeah. welcome, people. You're very welcome. <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. James Williams, Elaine Wilteroth. Is it just me who I've just, it, it's, I don't know. How can I describe it? It's, it's almost like Christmas every day. The excitement I have of taking off my bra <laughs> and unbuttoning my trousers at the end of the day. I think it's, maybe you're both too young. I think it's a middle-aged thing. I never felt better than when I read that Tina Fey wrote in Bossy Pants when she wrote, um, someone said, what's it like being 40? And she said, all I know is that now I really love, I love to take my pants off at the end of the day. That news. And I was so relieved when she said that because I thought there was something wrong with me. But it's, oh, okay, so I'm just getting middle-aged bloat. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I personally yeah. can't wait to get my bra off at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, well, no. it's, you know, it's a heavy load you're carrying there. <laughs> It really is. Yeah. But, no. I mean, I take it off. I give them a little satisfying rub just to, <laughs> just to get into afternoon <laughs> out of work mode. It's a great feeling. I mean, it's a great visual. Yeah. I'm just going to like go with the sort of running theme here that I'm a massive weirdo. I'm not that person. So again, my friends think I'm really strange. So I go to so work. Do you put on a corset when you? <laughs> yes, I'm literally. <laughs> I put my bra on the second yeah. I sit down. Uh, but basically, I get yeah. home and I just kind of yeah. like chill out in the clothes I've been wearing all day. Now, again, this might be my privilege speaking, whereby I do a, a kind of work where I don't have to wear a suit or a tie. I get to wear a relatively casual wardrobe. <laughs> Very casual today. I mean, shorts. But anyway, but you know what I mean? So maybe it's that because I think my friends, obviously, you work in the city. You have to go into work and wear a suit in time. Then, of course, I get it. You want to get out of that. But for me, I don't feel that urge but then somebody did say to me but oh that's disgusting those are clothes you've been out like in the, the pollution oh, no, I, and no, street, london streets and all that kind no, of stuff i just need to psychologically transition 
Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think work that's Joe to home Joe. And I think that's what a lot of yeah. people do, but I don't seem to do that, which maybe says a lot for me. <laughs> Never quite getting to the work mode, maybe. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great way to move through the world. Well, maybe. I'm sure it's why you're great on this podcast. <laughs> I, um, I'm with you. I, I, the first thing I do, I take off my shoes, I take off my coat, I take off all my clothes, and I don't have kids yet. And I, I'm just usually it's just me and my fiance. And I, for me, it's like it's like unloading every every interaction yes. I had, yeah. like every you know, just all of New York City. I just let it just and drop it on the floor on a book tour. You get to starfish oh. in the bed. Oh my oh. god! Oh my you god! Get everything. Yes, yeah. it's that's why I haven't seen London, guys. Yeah, <laughs> enjoying be the hotels. She's at home watching. Um, what is it? Pointless and Homes Under the Hammer. <laughs> Every chance she gets. The Chaser. Yeah, yeah I'm just, I'm a, st- I'm just starfishing in my, in my hotel bed. How, how's the room Instagram. service been for you, Elaine? Because again, we pretty we, good. We get bad reps for, for food, don't we? Right? You in, do. Yeah. How, I had how, a really, really mediocre chickpea burger oh, yesterday. Well, was it dry? But I just, chickpea burger. I shouldn't have got yeah. the soup. I know. What was I thinking? And then I said. Um, can I have some um, spicy mustard? And then, or I didn't, I didn't do it with the accent. Sorry, wait. <laughs> I asked, could I have some spicy mustard? And then, literally, the woman looked like that looked at me like I had three heads. And I, <laughs> and she said, we have mustard, but it's not spicy. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. It, it, she goes, we have French mustard. We have this mustard, but none of them are spicy. <laughs> and then she brought me spicy mustard. I don't know how she found it, but that was the only saving grace for that dry ass burger. Yeah. Um, But they, but it's prompt. I will say, I will give you that. Okay. Very prompt, very polite. We do not have that in New York city or really anywhere in the world. They're always, they don't get it. No. But here they get it. And I've had actually really polite and positive and delightful interactions with people here. See, oh my God. I think, wow. I find the same. I find exactly the opposite when I come to New York. Everyone's lovely to me. I think it's just when you're, when you're it's not. It's your accent. Yeah. We are charmed by the British accent. It is such a trope. I don't know why <laughs> we're so cliche in that way, but we're just immediately like. Charmed oh, by I just you. think because I'm in I'm on holiday I'm in a better mood so I don't even notice if someone's being rude to the same way I <laughs> you do. You don't yeah. care. Yeah. 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 Anyway, are people here not? You said it's a trope that people are polite in. in yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, I think it depends on how much public transport. Yeah, exactly. You catch. Okay. Rush, rush hour tubes. It. My God. I mean, I you know, an old woman hit me once. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, seriously. The gloves yeah. come What off. did you do to this woman? <laughs> well, she claims that I that I pushed her out of the way, but I really. <laughs> didn't and it, it still haunts me this is years ago and i would love to see v- video footage of what happened but we were all getting shoved and she got it into her head that i shoved her but i i mean and i, I said to my god if i did i'm sorry it's an accident in a way she, I, yeah. I, I this happened to me the other day actually i was on a rush hour tube and this guy it was like he'd never been on a rush hour tube in his life before and he and every single person who touched him he got really angry with and i'm a bit like I, in a way, I kind of admired him because it's this naivety. But I'm a bit like, dude, it's rush hour. I know. You, you can't not be touched. And people aren't like, like and they weren't, and they weren't like even body slamming him. Like I've seen some people be body slammed during rush hour. He was just like being and pushed this, and jostled. This is a little why bit. I have to get home and derobe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love um, how you brought exactly. us back onto yes, subject, Joe. We yes. totally went off tangent. The rage. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? That's a yeah. good way of putting it. Actually, that yeah. is how it feels. That's exactly right. Okay, yeah. I'm going to do this tonight, ladies. I'm going to go home and I'm going to throw off the, the rage. That sounds really dirty. And overbrush your teeth. <laughs> yeah, overbrush my teeth. Wash your hair. Oh, I mean, <laughs> that's what I've learned today. Yeah, it's you know, it's light and shade, and it really and is. It's a real broad church of <laughs> shit that happens on this podcast. That's the new tagline for the I show. I'm just so yeah. delighted that you were here to do it. <laughs> 
I am delighted to be here. No, oh. and I and I'm gonna go starfish because I am knickered. <laughs> knackered. Knackered. Sorry. Knickered's sorry. a different thing. Oh, different thing. <laughs> What's knickered? Well, it's like a knicker knackers hybrid. So, yeah. so okay. I think I think I mean denickering would be taking off your knickers. Knickering or nicked. So I'm I doing that too. You're, so gonna, you're denickering. And, and nicked is something else. You're nicked. You're nicked. Yeah. Yes. In Coloured by the law. Oh yes, you're nicked. Yeah. Yes. Okay. My yeah. head's spinning, guys. But I quite like yeah. the idea. Of, I quite this. like the idea of denickering. That's what I'm going to go with. Okay, we'll yeah. go with that. We will all. We will all go home yeah. and denicker. Denicker. <laughs> and enjoy your nakedness. Yeah. <laughs> Not easy to say. Yeah. Actually, quickly. Uh, yeah, Elaine. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank it's been lovely you. to meet you. Good luck with the book. Not that you need it. It's a bestseller already. Thank uh, you. But do check it out, everyone. And uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week. See you. Bye. Later. 